This is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board. And I'm here with my good buddy, Big John. Big John, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, William. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm having a blast. To the audience, you don't know, but me and John have been going back at it. Philosophically with libertarianism and me just dogging on libertarians and just having fun. John's one of the most intelligent men uh, I know when it comes to... Uh, politics and I always tease him about big words but at the end of the day he does know his libertarianism I uh, tried. he's still easy to crank on <laughs> yeah i am i am yeah. so big john how has your week gone it's been about a week since we were on the air yeah. everything good in life it, it's been busy but it's been, i can't complain we're all alive we're all doing well we live in the greatest country in the world william despite all its flaws so uh having said all that yeah i think i had a pretty good week you know, I had a very productive week. As everybody knows, Sports Crumblings is still new. We're actually well past six or eight months, but we're still very new and just, just right. figuring things out. And uh, uh, we're doing much better, and it was a great productive week. We, we're getting on track, and uh, hopefully we're going to get some more podcasts filled out, not us, but bringing people on. Boy, but it is harder than you than the most people think to bring new blood into a conservative libertarian project versus a leftist project boy if you do a leftist project every door is wide open right now you do a conservative project and you get canceled before you realize what canceled is and that that's experience i've been running into but but regardless i think we got a good show we're going to talk about the world series let's start with that big john did you know there are no black american ball players in the world series that's mind-blowing to me that's mind blowing. I mean, I know that the number of uh, Black Americans, um, African Americans, whatever the proper term is, in yeah. baseball in general has been declining over the years. It's been going down year after year. But uh, that came as a shock to me. Not one native born uh, African American in the World Series. That That's amazing. It, it wasn't a shock to me. Back about 25, 30 years ago, back in college, 1990s, a friend of mine, went to his professor to do his paper thesis or whatever they called mm -hmm. it back then on uh, black Americans. He was a white guy, white country guy. <laughs> when his best friends were black from the urban area, he was from the country they met in college. They became super tight friends, best man, that type stuff. And uh, his whole shtick was, was, well, when you live in the urban area, there are no golf courses. When you live in the urban area, there's no baseball fields. When you, you know, it was like basketball, you got a hoop. Football was part of the culture growing up. And I, the decline of baseball, we keep forgetting that. Baseball is declining. You know what people don't realize? All the new parks built from the 1990s on, they're smaller. The first one built in, in by Baltimore that, that revitalized the city, it was a smaller ballpark because of declining attendance. They couldn't fill up those big football right. stadiums anymore. Right. And people forget the average audience skews older. So it's a dying sport. So I wasn't shocked. The truth of the matter, John, what I find offensive is how American blacks and race hustlers in today's leadership looks at Latino blacks. I mean, I told you, my grandmother's been called the N-word. I've got, I've got Nubian looking cousins. I just met one of my cousins on the last trip the Panama, we were in, we were in what you would call the Panamanian ghetto. Me being the lightest skinned of all, my brown cousin says, "Do not leave my side. They will eat. They will beat your bleed if you leave my side because I'm so white." And then I met my cousin. He was as Nubian as Ebony as the night, you know. Uh, so when I see this, what I read in all these articles, what I read in listening to the uh, some of the individuals talk was actual racism towards black Latinos because black Latinos aren't like American blacks and how we think, how we view family, how we view life, how we view culture. And because of that, that's why you saw all these articles where there's no American blacks. Yeah, you because know? to me, when I see a black man, I do see a black man. When I see a black woman, I see a black woman. I don't kind of, well, what country are you from first? Right. And that's kind of what I was reading here. And I found that extremely offensive because that's not how you unify people. That's how you keep them separate. And and and, and I, I just, it, it kind of struck a nerve with me. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. But a little bit of history here first, John. Jackie Robinson debuted in 1947 with the Brooklyn Dodgers, we all know. He played in the World Series that year. And since then, the only matchup that hasn't seen a Black 
American in was the 1950 matchup between the Yankees and Phillies until this World Series. And as you said, it keeps declining, declining, and declining. And the MLB or MLB is putting hundreds of millions into this. Do you think they should worry about having specific color? I mean, do you see them going, we ain't got enough white basketball players, ain't got enough Latino basketball players, ain't got enough white Latino football? You don't see that. So I, that's what I found offensive, too. This is a sport where the best compete to play. They don't care about your skin color. That That's why there are so many Latinos and so many Latino farm teams. Why? It's cheaper to go down there and recruit players and bring them up through the system and get better long-term contracts. That's kind of what predicated all this in the pursuit of the Latino player, not to mention we're pretty good. I mean, look at Mariano Rivera and a few others. Right, right. I mean, so am I way off base here? Am I looking at it too delicately? What's your take? I, I think you are reading a bit much into it. Like here's the here's the way I see it. Um it used to be that for a lot of young black young black kids, young black men, if you want to put it that way, baseball was a way out of poverty. Especially when they first came into the major leagues, when they were first allowed into the major leagues, right? So you had Jackie Robinson, you had Roy Campanella. Larry Doby, all these guys, right? So when they came in, it was the old Negro leagues yeah. that were able to come, you know, and a lot of those Negro league players, like Josh Gibson is probably the most famous, Satchel Page and those guys, you know, they in were fact, legends. Jackie Robinson wasn't even considered the best Negro league Call player. up, no, he got called up because Branch Rickey thought he, he would, he, his character was the type that he could tolerate all the racism that would be hurled his way, both from teammates, other ball players, and the fans. So that's why he was about, called up. It was his character. It, it wasn't, wasn't about being the best baseball player. Exactly. It was about being the best fit that could survive what would come. Like Josh Gibson at first was the only, and he was a black catcher, I think, for the for the Grays. I'm not 100% sure what team he played for. But he had an exhibition game in Yankee Stadium, and at the time, he was the only guy to ever hit a baseball out of Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. Right, he right, was right. a great, and the Satchel Page used to say uh, there were these guys that were so fast in the Negro Leagues, they could round the bases, uh, they could uh, round the bases before you could blow out a candle or something like that. You know, there were all yeah. these great stories. Anyway, uh, so baseball was viewed as a way out. Basketball yeah, sport was, wasn't it? Well, primarily baseball, because baseball, at least say in the 50s and the right. 60s, was still the most profitable sport, right? Right, Football hadn't hit its stride yet. Basketball certainly wasn't making as much money and hockey, forget about. So, but (laughs) what happened is as the years went on, you saw that shift. Football became a way for a lot of these kids to get out. Right, right. And even more so than football, basketball. Right. Basketball very much became the urban sport for a lot of reasons that you just mentioned. You need a ballpark for baseball. You need a, a gridiron for football. Basketball, you need a hoop. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And most yeah. cities put up concrete hoops everywhere. You know, like every every time there's, you know, there's a hoop. You're not going to find a golf course in Compton. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. A golf course is the same type of thing, right? So, and basketball initially was, was allowing um, uh, Moses Malone, high school kid. So they also gave at least... The possibility that a kid at 18 from uh, the hood could make his way to a pro team if he was good enough, right? So, so what you're saying, John, is that baseball's slow death and the rise of basketball is one reason we've seen the shift, correct? I think that's it. I think baseball also, um, it, it's just fallen out of favor, like with kids, now, you know, because it's either football or basketball, I would think especially for for black teenagers it's it's that um also look at baseball baseball you have to go to the minor leagues there's a minor league system even if you played four years college ball like i have a a good friend of mine whose kid uh, just got accepted to yale but he got uh but he he actually is considered one of the top high school shortstops in the country Wow. Impressive. Here in New York. Yeah. 
And uh, he's the case where it's a, he's the product of a biracial marriage. His father's white, his mother is black. So, and the kid kind of looks Puerto Rican in terms of tone. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense to you. Yeah, I'm looks, getting that golden brown hue. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, right, exactly. He looks almost Latino in hue. And for the so, record audience, I have never seen an ugly biracial kid. Never. Oh, generally, <laughs> as, especially women. Biracial women oh, always tend to be yeah. among the hottest. But, but this kid, like, his father is a huge baseball fan, and that's why he got pushed into baseball because right. he was he was he was following his father's interests, and his father was a huge Yankees fan, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And baseball is also a game of technique, John, versus the natural gift you have to have for basketball and say football. Well, no, no, I mean you have to have natural gifts for baseball too. Mm -hmm. But 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 technique can really compensate for for a lot when you're by because mm -hmm. I knew a lot of average kids before they were good at baseball, but they've been playing since they were little kids because of what you said. The father had taken an interest. The right. father loved it. And they were just so good at the basics. I would always marvel at them because I was just that run-of-the-mill college. I mean, neighborhood kid. You know, my dad was a special born. My dad had nothing to do with me in sports. But but I get it, John. I guess my issue is just like, everything's got to be about color. You know? It's, it's like, uh, in researching this, I came across an article that talked about 38% of players of color on opening day rosters. But it contradicts the other article because here are the names, Alvarez, Peña, Guriel, Javier, Valdez, Segura, Suarez, you know, Dominguez, you know, they're all Latinos. So, so I agree with you. I think this is a product of uh, the urban areas no longer caring about baseball as they once did more than anything else. What I find offensive is, is them wanting to black it up just to black it up because it's a sport. I don't want the NBA whited up. I don't want the NFL Latinoed up. You right, know? right. Let the best players play. And, and to me, I don't care about who gets what, but I do have a little pride in knowing that baseball is big for Latinos and it's a sport that we have come to dominate. Well, too. why is it why is it big for Latinos? Ask yourself that question, especially well, the island Latinos. Oh, because it's a sport us small little guys can play that has a lot of technique and speed and built into it. And well, it's also cheaper to come get us than it is the American. Well, that's part of it. But what I was going to do was draw a parallel to American blacks in the 50s. Oh, exactly, exactly. That yeah. when you go to Costa Rica, when you go to the Dominican Republic, when you go to Puerto Rico, when you go to Cuba in some cases, when they're allowed to steal them out of Cuba, right? Um. Though for those kids, American baseball, even the minor leagues, means your life got an upgrade for you and your oh, family. Oh, beyond an upgrade. That's what I I'm mean, saying, right? Beyond an upgrade, yeah. So, but for American black kids, they don't have the patience for that anymore because they see they can get that upgrade through basketball first, football second. Like, for example, uh, it, there's probably more D1 scholarship money available for football programs than baseball programs. I don't know that for a fact. I'm assuming that's the case just because of the way the money flows in sports. Like you'll see weekend college football games. You don't see weekend college baseball games to the extent that you do football, right? There are oh, big, you uh, see them, but with 50 people. But that's what I'm saying. To, not to the extent of football, right? Exactly, for, exactly. for colleges, football is the main moneymaker. It's not baseball. There are some good baseball programs. Don't get oh, me no, wrong. No, don't get us wrong. The College World Series and the Little League World Series those, they don't get monster ratings, but they're always solid hits. I get exactly what you're saying. It's a dying sport. I think it's dying because it's slow, because it's easier to put cement hoops in the cement urban area yeah. than it is to uh, build a baseball stadium. These are some basic things that we're not going to overcome. And I don't think we should look to overcome. But it's to just, your, but to your point, I, I, I agree with you on the racial angle, but from a, from a, business development think of it purely as a business what's the future of any business hooking the young generation oh, on right, the business. right 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 right, right so right. now they have to figure out okay what's the main demographic of young people that we don't have it if you're major league baseball that's black teenagers so you know you how do you get black on, teenagers but what about hockey uh, i think baseball's entry the realm of hockey is going to be a smaller sport they just don't want to admit it today but in 20 30 40 50 years baseball is going to be no different than the nhl i mean the ratings alone already dictate that you get sunday night football 
getting better ratings in a World Series game. You know, at the end of the day, I do not begrudge any American from wanting to play the sport they love. I just don't want to see token people put in place because somebody thinks it's politically correct. Baseball is a professional sport. Let every player earn it. You know, Latinos fought their way to get onto the baseball field. And like you said, it's a product of them being like the new blacks from the 50s, but whatever. At the end of the day, we're getting some phenomenal Latino players. Mariano Rivera, uh, 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 Pena, the guy who just uh, hit most home runs or whatever uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and so so to me, I kind of look at it from that outlet. But I get what some individuals are saying. But that's that, that that's nobody's fault. That's a product of society, you know? So, so, so I personally think more Blacks in the suburbs will grow every sport out. And that means a political... Uh, not a political uh, problem being solved, but but just trying to spread our wings out and get, get us more humans into different areas. What I'm trying to say is, I don't think there's a solution. It's kind of like the, the busing kids to different schools. That was a, a miserable failure because you can't force that. And what I'm trying to say is you can't force this, but there's ways it can happen. And that's through economic viability. It, I mean, a completely different battle, but it would affect baseball because you'd have more black kids and Latino kids in, in the suburbs, in better areas, uh, away from the crime-ridden city. Right. And that's not just pointing the, the to, to ghettos, the barrios, the trailer parks. When it's all poor, it tends to be a worse situation. But let's move on. Big Brother John. And, uh, uh, well, by the way, real quick, where does baseball rank in your enjoyment of sports? I don't watch it at all anymore. Anymore? I, I left Baseball America in 1994. I had enough with the players and the owners. I left in, in 88. Yeah, and, I, 94 and, was the second strike, I think. Yeah, and, and it, for me, people who know me find that abandonment of baseball to be stupefying because growing up i was i, I was a two-sport person i was ba uh, baseball and football and growing up i was a mets fan i was a big tom Seaver fan oh tom um, Seaver when you played with the reds yeah i was a I big red machine fan yeah i played in uh, high school and i used to pitch i used to play in summer leagues i used to play in uh, semi-pro leagues you oh, know, yeah. locally so i was a big I loved baseball. Uh, I loved everything about it. But then after 1988, when they had that strike, I realized I, I didn't miss it. And I started watching football more intently. Now, I was always a football fan. Don't get me wrong. Um, but then I realized, like, if I dedicate myself to football, I have just as much enjoyment. And then as the football season got to be more year round with free agency and the draft and everything, Baseball to me became an afterthought. And unfortunately to this day, I couldn't care less about baseball in terms of watching it as a, as like, I'll watch it for business purposes, but I won't watch it for personal enjoyment. I'd rather watch a basketball game. I'd rather watch pro basketball than pro baseball. More exciting. You know, I get it. I, I think yeah. it's, it's a dying sport, uh, John. I mean, I, if you give me 10 minutes, there's been many decades, I can still tell you who the big red machine, everything right for the pitchers you know and uh but but i'm with you I, I did enjoy it when i had to do it professionally not baseball but fantasy baseball and i kept up with it but it's a grind and that in and of itself also kind of uh, i think there's something special and unique about the nfl only being 17 or 18 weeks however long you know counting the bye weeks you know and that's what makes it so unique compared to every other sport but that said Good luck to baseball. Enjoy the World Series. My Padres got knocked out. John, I have not seen a whole group of individuals here in San Diego really rooting for the Padres when deep down I'm like, they're going to lose. They're going to get they're, they're gonna get blown out in one of these series. That's just who they are. But seeing the people get hyped up was different. It was very unique. And San Diego's the baseball city. It just shows how pathetic the Padres have been <laughs> to where me, who does this professionally for uh, with sports, I'm like stunned. At, 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 it was like I was in a, in Baltimore or or, right. or or New York or somewhere. But anyway, let's move on here and let us talk. How do you say his name? Yay, ye, yay, 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 as in Kanye West. Okay, so Mr. Kanye West, or I'm sorry, the artist formerly known as Kanye West, yay, is going to buy Parler. What are your initial thoughts, John? Well, I, I, you can't talk about the, the purchase without talking about Ye. So I'm going to do a little bit of both. Ye 
in my opinion, is a controversial figure. He's oh, big time. I couldn't pick out a song. If you played five songs and said four of these are yays and one is somebody else, I couldn't begin to tell you what yay songs would be. I but am just defense, John. Can you do that with any singer that's come out since the 1990s? Probably Pretty not. Much. Probably not. <laughs> but my, but I'm in the same boat you are. Right. But here's the thing. I'm not even going to comment on the quality of his work because I haven't listened to it, to be fair to him. But going by what other people say who are music fans, who are rap fans, this guy is considered like some sort of creative genius when it comes yeah. to rapping. And I'll give him that. I'm not questioning that. He is. And he's probably... Oh, an incredible businessman. He's worth billions of dollars, and it's not just from rapping, right? He's built tech Actually, companies. John, he's worth about four hundred million now that Adidas kicked into the curb by ending their deal. When Adidas was attached to him, his net worth was approximately, I'm assuming, on paper, yeah, you know, two billion. So okay. he's worth supposedly, but still, four hundred million is you, is you can't crap on that. Money. That's like, exactly. yeah, you can't crap. So he's got a. If nothing else, he's got a business sense on his head. But I think what's happening to him, and I've really given him a shot because, you know, when when someone says he's so-and-so is anti-Semitic, so-and-so is a Nazi, so-and-so is a socialist, so-and-so is a communist, my first, my first inclination is let me go listen to what they claim is anti-Semitic. Let me go listen to what they claim is socialist or whatever, right? Because more often than not, it's an overreaction. Right. It's not with this guy. I've saw saying Jews were gonna take over the world and we're out yeah, I saw oh. him on maybe four different podcasts, long form, by the way, not short form. So it wasn't sound bites. He had every opportunity over the course of an hour or two to explain his positions. I saw him with Chris Cuomo, I saw him with Lex Friedman, I saw him with two oh, other people I can't. Huh? He was with Lex Friedman and uh. For, for y'all that don't know, Lex Friedman is a super smart rocket scientist. He is literally, much. yeah, he's building all the artificial intelligence we're going to need for rockets, self-driving cars. He's a professor at MIT. By the way, he's one of the most dry people you've ever met on in your uh, life. I but try. he interviews the great he, he interviews the greatest people. Each interview is like three, four hours long. So if you really have if you really want to dig into a subject, you go anyway. So he had he had Yay on and he was giving Yay and Lex Friedman's Jewish, by the way. So he's like, well, why are you saying this about Jews? You know, and he goes, well, you know, uh, my accountant's Jewish, my lawyer's Jewish, my publicist is Jewish. Me. They're all Jewish. They're all Jewish. And he goes, and they've all effed me over. And he goes, all right. He goes, but then why? A, why do you keep hiring them? B, can't you just admit that it was these three people that effed you over, not every Jew on the planet? And then he went into some diatribe about we're all Jews because because the first Jews came from Africa and there's black Jews and African right, Jews. Right, like right. he started, and then even Lex Freeman is trying to be patient. He, he said something along the lines like, Well, are you considered yourself a black Israelite? You know, that radical leftist yeah, group. Yeah. And he yeah. goes, Oh no, but aren't we all Israelites? And he, like everything to him was some weird thing. And then every so often he would stop and go, let me write this down because you just gave me an idea. We are all <laughs> humans first. Like, and I don't know if he's crazy. And I use crazy in the sense like maybe bipolar or something like that, where he needs to be on medication and he's not. I don't know if, I, and I'm being honest, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, uh, John, John, let, yeah. let, me, let me put in my two cents here because I know where you're going with that. And uh, I was blessed growing up in a military world. Mm -hmm. I traveled 30 some odd countries. You know how on TV they always portray the nice intellectual or the doctor, and then they show him in that seedy scene where he's like a racist, but you never yeah, know it? Yeah. I have met quite a few Black individuals through my travels. You would never think of this, and then you get on a tangent or some conversation, and the yay-type talk comes out. I've dealt with, with, with over a dozen just the past 10 years that I learned so much from their beliefs about Mormons and how Mormons hate Blacks, Blacks right. hate Mormons. It's, it's a hate. Over the years, I've I, I met more than a handful of Black Americans who think like Ye does and think the Jewish world is out to get them. And then I met another handful who believes Blacks are the true Israelites. So so when you first brought this up, I blew it off because I haven't listened to it. I don't care to listen to it because I've heard it a thousand times. And it's not that it's radical or not. It's Technically speaking, they're outliers. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's but what I, when you get a man like Ye and his influence, and he talks like this, uh, and you know me, I'm a conservative. You know, having black conservatives as allies is very important in our battle. <laughs> but then there's Ye, you know, and you have to look at things in, in a sense of I'm like Lex Friedman. Well, well, if, if they were all screwing you over, maybe you don't go to those that circle of firms, you know. Maybe, maybe you go out here or something like that. I, I just had to get a two cents in because at the end of the day, I agree with what you're saying, but I I just kind of like ignore it now with people well, like well, you're out there. What's interesting about it is that. He was, he was given on at least three shows that I saw the opportunity to walk back his comments. Like he could have said, he could have said like, hey, you know, the white media is out to frame me or these liberals are out to frame. He could have framed it some way like that, right? But he didn't. He kept doubling down on it, you know? Well, and he, John, that's what I was trying to, trying to yeah. imply. And, and I apologize, I didn't. Yeah. But he'll never, because that's what he <laughs> believes in his heart. Right. You know, and and see, to me, there's a difference. It's kind of hard to explain. These individuals I've met, it's kind of like, you truly believe that in its core. You're not looking at people as evil or good or that, but you have just judged this one group that way, and you don't even realize you're judging in that way. And it's one of the most strangest things I've ever dealt with, because most of you, you would expect that out of a white person dealing with racism uh, or, or something else derogatory, because that's how society's kind of portrayed it. So when you see it, because it's not just Blacks, I've, I've seen it from some Latinos, usually a mixed Latino or an Afro-Latino, uh, but it, it's just one of the oddest, strangest things, because you don't know how to act or what to say, whereas white guy, you're racist, but when it's a minority, you're like, where the hell is this coming from? Or what's he talking about? Well, as it comes to the relationships with Blacks and Jews, especially in America, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen because the Jews as a political group and as a people have always, always from day one been allies to the Black people in this country. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They have supported Black causes. Personally, they vote Democratic in part yeah. because they feel they need to help the marginalized minorities in this country, particularly Blacks. And for some reason, the, the Black community repays this with constant... I don't want to say hatred, but at least constant skepticism. Like no, when no, you listen, you're right, John. But let me push back because a lot of Jews look down on blacks too because they're more educated. They tend to be better off economically. So it's that classic leftist paternalism. I know what no, you're saying. It's that paternalism. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. that paternalism. But at the very least, you would think that blacks would be like, hey. If no other reason, this Jewish voting block is is voting with us, if nothing else, and they're certainly pouring money into our causes. Oh, but yeah, for some, yeah, but yeah. for some reason, it's like, listen, when you listen to um, who's the uh, black Muslim, the really Farrakhan, uh, Farrakhan. is the biggest anti-Semite that, that biggest anti-Semite. Like I heard a speech where he was railing about like, why do you think their names are Silverstein and yeah. Goldstein? It's because they control the money, you know, like he, and as, as ridiculous as what I just said sounds, these are actual speeches from him. Right, right. Oh, um, no, no, no. He's a big time. He's racist. a big anti-Semite. Never, ever not say that. Yeah. And it's, look, Al Sharpton, Al Sharpton here in New York, another one of these like, you know, fire and brimstone black preachers. Um was caught on tape talking, referring to them as Heinies, uh, Jesse Jackson, yeah. the same thing, right? So, I, I mean, it it's not just the, the quote, outlier Blacks in, in, in leadership, so to speak, but it seems to be more, to your point, more mainstream. And for the life of me, I don't understand. Like, I can understand them hating Whitey. You know, that to oh, me is, is no, very I obvious. I understand, John. But... I understand to a degree growing up in the South and coming from a mixed yeah. family and always going to school with Blacks. You never sit down on a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You always hear pieces, like when you're at a friend's house. Right. It's kind of like in the South, you learned about collard greens and mashed potatoes and country cooking and, and, and Black country cooking uh, because you're visiting your friend's house. You know, you're yeah. this, But you never sat down and like, here's a lesson on... Uh, african-american southern cuisine you know same thing when you would come to my house you know the, the strangest look would have befuddled my friends and, and it got to a point quickly i recognized and i'd look for it they just had this weird look like 
what the bleep are you talking? <laughs> you know, and it was Spanish. Or they would look at my mom and to a T, is that your mom? Because it was a short little Asian looking woman. Or they look at one of them, or, or, you know, it, it just tends to, you know, or when my grandmother came to visit, you know, you, especially the adults, they never want to say it, but you know, good and well, some of them are, how can you have a black grandmother? You know, it's, 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 so that's how you learn about this. So most people don't realize the proliferation of black Americans are in the South. So you can't grow up in the South with, without, in a military town without uh, learning from one another. So you're right, John, you know, I, the last time I, I had an issue with Jews and blacks in terms of having a discussion, I, I got mad and I go, really? Well, well, what religion were those three white kids in Missouri in the 60s that were murdered? They were Jewish. You know, I was like, the Jewish people have helped you out, but why are you hating on them so much? But that's something that only they can tell us because there's got to be some origin. There's got to be some tales. I think part uh, of it, a part of it might be religious because if you're a, if you're a, a fundamentalist Christian, which a lot of blacks in the South are. Yes. They view Jews as Christ killers. Could that be might enough. be part of it. I don't know. That might be part of it. I wouldn't think that that's part of it now to, the, to any great extent, but it might be part of the origins of it. But regardless, Ye was given an opportunity, at least for business purposes, to walk back his statements, and he didn't. So to me, he's either a little unbalanced or he just doesn't give a F. Uh, um, no. John, he's 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 a businessman. I mean, too. I, I think you're right and you're wrong. You're right because he's not unbalanced. It's a belief system. It's like I said, it's hard to explain. When I've talked to other blacks, especially I, I know this woman, and she hates the Mormons. Like, I mean, she's never really dealt with them. It's how she was brought up because her right. parents, I guess, dealt with Mormons a lot. And, and I guess when after I spoke with her, I kind of looked it up on the internet. For example, nobody in the a black persuasion moved up in the Mormon religion until like the seventies when they were forced to kind of accept it or they were threatened with legal action type stuff, you know? So, so it, it's a different type of, of anger and hate in a way. And I guess seeing it done in an intellectual way, because the way I don't want to say Ye's intellectual, but the way he talks slowly. I mean, yeah, I don't, that's how I view an intellectual talking to me sometimes. Well, well, part, well, part of it is also that he Again, and I'm allowing for what is known as this creative genius schizophrenia that kicks in. Like um, uh, the way I view it is Bobby Fischer. You, you, have you ever heard of Bobby Fischer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on, hold on. Two Bobby Fishers, the chess player or the singer? The chess, the chess player. <laughs> the chess player, Bobby Fisher, was by all accounts a genius. Had oh, one yeah. of these IQs over 180, right. whatever. He was essentially nuts. Yeah, that's he, right. He, I remember he, Like, he was an anti-Semite. Yeah. He kept yeah. thinking that the Russians were out to get him. He kept thinking, he pulled out his teeth once because he thought people had yeah. implanted transistors yeah. in his yeah. teeth. Yeah, and Gary Gasparov's a, a nut in his own way too. What but is, not, what he's not, he's out there, but he's not crazy, Gasparov. Yeah, 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 but, not crazy like Bob. But, but like most psychologists will tell you, as the IQ goes up, once it goes past the genius level, like 160, 170, 180, it's very much correlated with insanity. Like people yeah. at that level, their brains at times just separate from reality. Now, I'm not saying Ye is necessarily that genius level, but if he's really as creatively a genius as people claim, and again, I'm not doubting that. Well, he is bipolar, I, I thought, isn't right. he? Right. He might be either bipolar or, or having breaks with reality. And that's what I meant by if he's off his meds. Because if for whatever reason, his meds, and you know, it's not funny really, because people with that sort of bipolar disorder or something similar, if they're on their meds, they're okay. If for whatever reason they stopped taking them because it made them feel weird or whatever, or they feel, here's another problem. Creative people on that type of medication will often stop taking their medication for a while because right. they feel it inhibits their creativity. So they're yeah, like, oh, I need my, yeah. I need my next song. I need my next yeah. uh, uh, book or whatever. So I'm going to go off my meds. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, I'll just go off my meds for three months. Then I'll start again. I just need to write another album and then I'm done. Uh, Roseanne was like that when she started tweeting That's out right. all these anti-Semitic and yeah. and she's by the way she's Jewish by the way yeah yeah and she yeah, started yeah, yeah. sending out anti-Semitic and anti-black tweets they found out it was because she was off her meds 
And she was like, you know, she had taken Ambien or something. So it was all this, like, so I'm allowing for that possibility with Ye. Now, that's him as a person. And this question started out as, what do you think of Parler? Yeah, exactly. Right? I was been thinking the last five minutes. We got to right. bring it back in. Yeah, so I'm going to bring it back around. So having discussed Ye, what does he want to do with Parler? My guess is, if I had to guess, he's buying it to create something new. It's not going to be Parler with Ye trying to do the same thing as Gab or Truth Social, right? I don't think that's what he's going to do. He may make it like an artist's well, thing. Well, hold on, John. I, I don't want you to go off on too much of a tangent yeah. without knowing why. He was actually, he actually gave a reason. I'm buying Parler because they booted me off of Instagram and Twitter. I mean, so, so I mean, that's what he says. So taking him at face value, what do you think he's going to do? I mean, you're, you're going into 10 layers deep, but he said, I think he he's going to, yeah, I, he's going to turn it into a platform that he can speak from. So in that sense, he's a lot like Trump, right? Trump built truth social because he got kicked off of Twitter. Right. Right. Now he, rather than building something, he just bought parlor parlor had been lagging. Um, it's really dead. You and I both know we try to go on parlor. It's just dead yeah, yeah, yeah. on Parler. Just real quick to the audience. Parler has lost almost half its traffic since 2021 when it had 12 million unique uh, visitors. Now, let me tell you, audience, something. My website that I had, that I owned before this venture with John, we were ranked in the top 2,000 in our day, and we would have 12 million uniques, you know? So that is not a big number. Now they're at, at, at a third of that, like 125,000 uniques. And the reason... I can validate that is because over the last six, eight months, John, I'll tell you, I've been the one on there for sports grumblings, checking the data, checking the numbers out, and you notice these trends. So to me, John, he is doing what Justin Timberlake did to MySpace, bought it down. That's what I'm thinking. He bought an infrastructure. So he doesn't have to go through yes. what Trump did, right? He doesn't have to use Mastodon to build anything or anything like that, right? So he bought an infrastructure. Now, what he does with it is entirely different. Is he going to make it an artist's platform? Is he going to make it a yay platform? <laughs> you know, is he just going to have hoochie mamas on there? Is he going to have music there? I don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to try to run for president using Parler as his platform to get his message out? You know, John, I, I don't a, know. That's a dead site. So he's literally, I think you put it greatly. He bought an infrastructure. Yeah, that's it. Now he's got infrastructure. He can he can do his own MySpace in terms of music. Justin Timberlake turned right. it into music. Uh, he can he can. Uh, I mean, honestly, he said he he bought it because he got kicked off of Instagram and 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 uh, a Twitter, which people may not realize is combined. He had fifty million followers. You know, him, Trump, and only a handful of others have those type of numbers. And the others that do tend to be foreigners. I mean, they got, there's somebody from India, some Rahi or some, some, some meditation. I mean, just, just hundreds of millions, you know? So, but 50 million is, that's enough for him to get part of going. And let me repeat to the audience, 12 million unique uh, visitors in January, 2021. Uh, uh, I just, I had here 137,000 unique visitors as of august 2022 so he's got an infrastructure those 50 million followers that he has can help parlor parlor needs him more than he needs parlor he just has that people don't understand the importance i keep saying infrastructure but to have that infrastructure already built in that's millions and millions not only of dollars but it's also millions of evenings of stressful headaches figuring things out it's already done. I, I think you bring up a good point in that sense, the infrastructure. I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, I'll give you the last word on it. If you had a if you had a, 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 a gun to your head, what would you say he's going to do? I think he's going to use it as a platform to run for president. I want to go, okay, yeah, right. But it's, it's, it's like, yeah, I could see him doing that. That's yeah. what's so crazy. But, you know, God bless, yay, and all he's accomplished. But I, 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 I'll always struggle until I learn the origins, I guess, of, of, of the issues Blacks have, like with Mormons, with Jews, and with other uh, cultures. Uh, but then again, people look at me, they look at my mother, my grandma, they go, huh? <laughs> well, look, <laughs> as, uh, you're right. But as a libertarian, believe it or not, I have no problem with anything he's doing. He oh, I have neither. But it, uh, it's just that relationship. Doesn't it boggle your mind? Like, 
how do they come back? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Like if it was something that's traditionally people at each other's throats, like the English and the Irish, the Greeks yeah. and the Turks, the Chinese and the Japanese, you know, there's, there's the Pakistani and the Indians, you know, there's Iran, Iraqis and Iranians, you know, when there are some natural geopolitical rivalries that persist to this day. But even in those cases, like I said, I always talk about the story. My mother grew up in an era in Greece where Turks were like the devils. Yeah. And she grew up saying the Turks did this, they killed, they murdered, they did whatever. But, you know, John, you we're talking religions and people, but yeah. at the same time, it's it's not just that. And my, my last word, we're going to move on. Uh, I guess it's because as you're talking about that, it's also the eras we're born and, and we grew That's up. Too. So, for example, when your dad, when he thought of it, he think those damn communists, guy with the shotgun. You know, yeah. I laugh because I think of that story. But my point being, it, it, it was it was a uh, uh, free people and communism, or, or I'm sorry, yeah. capitalism or communism. So it's not just people; it, it's also society and and how we live and grow and react to it. And maybe it'll change one day. Maybe it won't. But either way, I generally speak. Generally speak. Ball. Generally speaking, if you're exposed to different people in different races, generally speaking, you become more tolerant. It's usually the the ignorance and the fear of the unknown that keeps these things going, right? So that's why the Jewish black rift in the U.S. is so mind-boggling, because Jews have done so much to help out the black community that you would think at the very least there would be some thawing and there hasn't been. So that no. part, I agree with you. I find that part mind boggling, but other than that, what Kanye's doing, Hey, live and let live. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't say exactly. If I run for office, they'd ask me for my opinion. And I say, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, it's because of the internet. But back in the day, in our day, before the internet, there were just as many deaths. But it seems like a lot of famous people are dying. And God rest her soul. She, it's been it's been a couple of weeks now. Well, not quite a couple of weeks, but about a week and a half. Uh, Ms. Angela Lansbury passed away. Angela Bridget or Brigid? I think it's Brigid. Bridget. Bridget. Born October 16th, 1925. And she lived at the ripe old age of 96 and passed away a week before her 97th birthday. And what makes her so unique, John, is, is, is I do a lot of research, a lot of reading. Just, it, it's kind of like people die, they're here, then she passed on and she was at this level in terms of the news, the notoriety, the comments, the people who talked about her. When you actually look at her, her catalog of a career, right. You know, it's it's just massive. Nominated for three Oscars, she never won, but she was given an honorary Oscar. I think Clint Eastwood got one too, right before he won his actual first Oscar. Uh, she won seven Tony Awards. For people, Tony Awards are part of the Broadway circuit. So so, and she could sing. She's a beautiful singer, and she holds the record for Emmy actress nods with twelve for her role as Jessica Fletcher on Murder, She Wrote. You know, we've been talking a lot about race. Uh, 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 and Jessica Fletcher, that was like the, the coming to the end of the one era where all Americans were forced to watch, you know, certain, it's like we only had three networks, you know? Right. So it, it was huge amongst a generation of older people. Didn't matter if you were black, white, Chinese, it was the older generation. My dad loved that show. He never yeah. missed it. I haven't seen one episode. I mean, neither, I've neither have I. All the time, but neither I've never I. actually watched. But twelve seasons. She actually owned that show the final few years, so I, I would assume she became a wealthy woman. But she was also given appointed as commander of the Order of the British Empire, and then Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire. Now people are given fancy titles. But she was not born rich or comes from class. So for her to earn those, you know she had a standout career. And uh, uh, she's just an incredible woman. You know, the murder she wrote followed, uh, it says she's a retired school teacher turned detective novelist, you know. And you said you never watched it. Is there anything from Angela Lansbury that you're familiar with? Not really. I mean, I knew of her and I, you know, if I saw her on something, I would say, oh, that's Angela. I, that's I, 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 she was a generation past me, I guess, growing up or two generations past me growing up. Um, 
Yeah, it was always something my parents watched. My parents enjoyed Angela Lansbury, much like your your father say. Um, yeah, I, w- I I can't say that I'm not a fan, but I can't say that I'm a fan either, you know? I never heard a Red One Math. I remember she was like an Elvis girlfriend when her mm-hmm. first rose or something, uh, you know? So it's, it's I remember her from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Again, like you, before Jessica Fletcher or Murder, She Wrote, right. you know, she's just another actress, but that kind of imprinted her in my mind. But I knew her from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And the reason I love Bedknobs and Broomsticks, I, I tried to watch it actually about a year ago, like 10, 15, <laughs> click, you know, yeah. some memories are better left. But I love the animation of the cartoon, mm. the human, and the whole spookiness of it all. But it, it was Murder, She Wrote. She was also... Uh, a big hit in the Beauty and the Beast the animation. Yes. So she also transcended generations. A couple of humorous takes, though. Her first marriage was to a gay man. <laughs> now it's never officially come out, but according to her her interviews after divorce, you right. know, Cromwell. I think his name was Cromwell. Uh, 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 do you remember his name? I can't remember uh, his name. It's Cromwell, though. It is Cromwell. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like nineteen. But she also saved her daughter from possibly being part of the Manson clan. When she found out her daughter loved all that crap and was into it, she upped the family and moved to Ireland. You know? So so, so there's so many things about life that we'll never know about famous people uh, from the perspective of they do a lot of normal shit like we do. (laughs) Excuse my French here, but that's what it boils down to. Right, right, right. Rich and famous on these pedestals, and some are. I mean... Uh, it's just an easy example, but Trump really uh, 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 embodies the over-indulation, indulgent of, of richness, you know, gold, silver. To me, all that looks tacky. So there are some people, but they all still live normal lives, you know? Uh, you know, any more takes from you from the uh, uh, greatness of Angela Lansbury, or are you well and done? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's just that, I like, uh, unfortunately, I just didn't follow her career, but, like, I mean... The highlights you mentioned, she was she was clearly talented. She had all the nominations. And when you get someone who's been in movie, stage, and television, you know, you yeah. know she's she's a well-rounded person. She pop she probably didn't have airs. Uh in maybe in some way she reminded me of Michael Caine. Michael Caine, oh, yeah. when they asked him, like, uh, oh, you're you've got your CBE now, commander of the British Empire, and all that. Um, and he goes, I'm just a cockney kid. And to me, it's yeah. a job. Yeah. That's why he takes any role you offer him. If it pays enough, he'll do it. That's because it, to him, it's a job. He never put on these airs that, oh, my art, you know, like it wasn't like, um, um, oh, and now I'm drawing the blank. Who's the Irish actor who played in uh, Lincoln and Gangs of New York? And, uh, oh, the Irish actor. He's one of the greatest actors of all time. And I'm drawing a blank right now. Oh, my goodness. I have no idea. But, but he was in there, happened, there, there, there will be blood. Who, who started Cromwell there will be blood? Is, she was married to. Yeah. Uh, yeah now, now it's going to kill me. Uh, go ahead. Finish up. You know, look, at the end of the day, I look at Angela Lansbury like a Michael Caine, like a Gene Hackman, like a Shirley MacLaine. In their time, they were great. But it, to me, it also shows how fleeting fame is. You know, being a little older, I'm coming to terms with death and life. Right. And uh, I guess maybe call me an oddball, but at the end of the day, I'm like, we're dead. Who cares? I don't care. Right. <laughs> you know? And in, in the afterlife, I would think there's probably more important things going to be happening than me worrying about how my legacy is, you know? So I kind of view her as she lived a great and wonderful and beautiful life. God bless her. She's on to her next journey. Yep. It is fleeting. So it's not how people perceive you but it's about how well you enjoyed living your life that is more important than anything else. And by the way, the the actor who, the great actor whose name I couldn't remember, Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He is one of those great actors that nobody knows. In fact, he is such a good character actor, you can't recognize him from movie to movie because he has a different look. And he is... Last of all, he gets. That's what I, I remember. Right, I wouldn't call him a character actor, but he's someone who is so immersed in his art that like Scorsese was talking about him. He goes, he becomes that character yes. six months before the film and he stays that character six months after the film. Like when he became Lincoln, grew a beard, he like yeah. everything. Um, and actors like that, 
you say he's not a character actor. What I mean is, I know what you meant. Recognize but... him from each role because, like you said, he immerses himself. Yes, uh, the, the 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 character. Yeah. So his own personal looks kind of they dissipate, and he becomes that person. You're yeah. right, and, You're right. And, but someone like someone like him, he's um, he's 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 not doing it for the money. Right. He's doing it well, because now he's not doing it for them. They're all doing it for the money. No, I understand. I'm not saying he's doing it for free, but I'm saying he doesn't view it as a job. He views it as art. Oh, exactly. He found his passion and became successful at it. Right. Whereas yeah. I have a feeling someone like Angela Lansbury or Michael Caine that we mentioned, it's like, yeah, I'm good at it, but guess what? It's a way I pay the bills. And I, I think I, Michael Caine, yeah, yeah. Michael Caine especially was like, this is how I make my living. Exactly. Oh, you know who's like that? He's another good actor. He was in The Man with the Iron Bass with Leonardo DiCaprio. Jeremy uh, Irons? Yes, yes, Jeremy Irons. One day, so so DiCaprio had just finished Titanic, was his big hit, but he still wasn't the big name. And I was watching the uh, interview, and the host of the interview, they were talking about the movie, The Man with the Iron Mask. And uh, she was trying to be polite. Because maybe off screen or something, but it was clear she felt Jeremy Irons had no respect for DiCaprio. And in essence, Jeremy Irons pretty much said, "Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to do the movie with the flavor of the year to pay the bills." And and you look back on that now, and it's just like DiCaprio. I can't remember what movie I just watched. I just paused. I was like, "That guy's a freaking great actor." You oh know? my god, he's. Fantastic. I, I don't know what movie it was, uh, uh, but he overcame his bu bubble. Bubblegum pop stardom, you know, and and he's a, he he is a brilliant actor. I think he's he's uh he's just an odd dude, but but a brilliant actor, you know. Uh, oh, uh, uh, listen, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Django Unchained, um, all the Basketball Diaries when he was a kid. Like when you watch him progress, it's clearly he's not a pretty face. Right, he's, but 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 the thing is, is no matter because he did a great job. Titanic was a great film all around but when you look at it you're thinking of uh, pop you know little bubblegum pop kid but either way though to miss angela lansbury rest in peace god bless you and much love and success on your next journey because <laughs> i gotta be honest with that resume i i i, I think we'll you know what would the sports players do and with that america and the world we will talk to you next time. Y'all have a wonderful evening. And don't forget, you can catch us on sportsgrumblings.com, on Rumble, on YouTube, on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts. And Everywhere. Other. But go to sportsgrumblings.com and you'll find all that information. John, tell the audience good night. Good night.